Welcome to the Liberated Investor Advantage podcast with your host, Doug Alden. In this podcast, we help you deal with and understand the uncertainties of investing and financial planning. Join us for this journey as your host, Doug Alden, teaches you how to move forward no matter what life or the markets throw your way. Hello and welcome to the Liberated Investor Advantage with Doug Alden. Today, I'm so excited because Doug has a special guest, and that is Fred Chalker from Living Water Haiti, and he is joining us by phone from very, very far away. Doug, thank you so much for bringing Fred on. I'm just going to ask a real easy question. How did you guys meet? We met in church down in South Florida several years ago, more years than neither one of us cares to admit. Uh, and we had uh, we kept getting tossed out of churches, and so we uh-huh. would find another church, and then we'd start asking questions about the pastors and what they're preaching. And uh, Fred and I were pretty um, a stickler for if it lines up with Scripture— that's that's good. If it doesn't line up with scripture, then we need to talk about it. So, but anyway, he his family is pretty much close, uh, mir- closely mirrors mine. Uh, Fred ha- has uh, married uh, a long time. His wife Mary is just a lovely lady. Uh, she had two boys. Her husband, first husband, died, and when she met Fred, she says, "You can't. I won't marry you until you're at least 21." So, she finally turned 21, and they got married. And then they have two girls, and that was pretty much like Jean and me. I have two boys, and she had two girls. And so we 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 used to meet at Denny's. You remember that, Fred? Yes, I do. Yeah, we met at Denny's every Friday morning, and we had pretty much the same thing. He was running a business, and I was running a business. Uh, so we had the same issues, same problems, similar trying to take care of children and get them through, you know, puberty and teenage years and all that. And we just. We just hang out. I mean, we just enjoy being with each other. We can go a couple of years without seeing each other, and it's like we never missed a beat. So I wanted to have Fred on because he's been working in a ministry named Living Water Haiti, as he described it, and I wanted him to tell a story a little bit because what they've been able to accomplish by God's will and through the power of faith is so amazing that I just wanted him to talk about it. So, Fred, let me ask you a couple questions. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Why Why do you do what, what you do? Well, it's a pretty pretty easy answer to that. It's because God has burdened my soul for the work that he called me to do, and I feel that call, and I can't do anything but step into it. But there's another part that's when I step into it, I feel I'm pleasing God. And that causes me to be fulfilled. It gives me purpose in life. It gives me a reason for living. And, I, and uh, therefore, my life is full of joy. It's full of uh, peace. It's full of contentment. Yet there are troubles around about all the time as I work in the mission field. So it's a, a wonderful thing that God has done for me. And I, uh, I praise him for, for taking my life and, and bringing it that direction. That's great. Uh, I knew the answer to that story, but I just wanted our, our listeners to to hear it. So, tell me how you go about functioning on your ministry. Tell me what you're doing. We, um, my call is to the northwest of Haiti. It's the countryside of Haiti. At one time, it used to take us fifteen to twenty five hours to get there from Port-au-Prince, the main city in uh, in Haiti. But now we can do it in about seven hours, and uh, so we're not anywhere near the populated areas. We're in a in the country area that is uh, fully um, covered with people, but they're all in a very poverty-stricken area. They're all third-world people living mostly in thatch huts uh, on dirt. There's no water. Uh, they have to 
search for it. There's no sewers. There's no electricity. There's no uh, uh, advantages. There's no no towns with with uh, all kinds of industry. There's no jobs. Uh, I think it's uh, the last I heard it was 84 percent unemployment in the countryside, and you used to be able to live off the land. But now the land has been decimated because there's no fuel, uh, no no electricity, no uh, natural gas. So they have to cut down the trees. You cut down the trees, the rain comes, washes off the topsoil, the uh, washes into the ocean, kills the ocean. So you're living in uh, a beautiful uh, supposed rainforest, which it was at one time, but you're living now in a desert with cactus growing all along the ocean and uh, no way to eke out a living. So uh, I see that, and it broke my heart. Uh, God called me to try and help in any way that he allowed me to do it, and he has provided for me in all kinds of ways and resources uh, to bring some hope to people in the Northwest that are hopeless. Well, that's phenomenal. Uh, I have to get personal here. Uh, Do you remember one of your first trips to Haiti? You had a young lady with you that was a nurse. Do you remember that? I do. I remember that very well. That was a a very uh, life-changing experience. experience for me uh your your wife was the nurse and uh, she came along jean along with uh, a few other people and we went to a little village in the middle of nowhere called cafe paul interestingly enough that uh, at that time in that area there was a group of um, people that were trying to take hold of a grassroots um, organization to take over Haiti and kind of control it, they were Cuban. They were they were coming from Cuba, uh, communist uh, type of influence. And when they were there, they basically were telling everybody that um, that the Americans were, in a sense, evil, and that uh, Christianity was uh, foolish. And so we come rolling in blindly, totally blind, with the love of God, a bunch of Americans with the love of God to preach the gospel and to bring gifts and medical attention and uh, got there and found out that uh, there was a a large group of people in the area that had grown that were against everything we were doing. Um, So that that didn't work out as well as we thought, but it worked out extremely well in the end. I can tell you the rest if you wish. Uh, I just want to think, I think my wife Jean was the nurse, obviously, and she was one of the first medical personnel ever to that area of the country, if, if I'm not mistaken. That's pretty true. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now as you, as you move forward, tell me some of the things that you guys have been able to accomplish there and where you are pretty much right now. Sure. Uh, the first thing <clears throat> that we did for a number of years was take groups over to Haiti. Uh, I would bring groups of five to <clears throat> 15 different people and we'd bring them over and whatever uh, talents or gifts they had, but there were always Christians preaching the gospel because the hope of Christ is the answer to those who are uh, devastated by voodoo, uh, which is the, which is which was the main culture in the northwest of Haiti. And so we started planting churches along with some other organizations that God threw in there, uh, a number of great organizations. The churches got planted throughout the northwest. And uh, when we went there, you would have a hard time finding Christianity and finding churches. But if you go there today, 37, 38 years later, 
There are churches everywhere you go. You, we have uh, planted uh, churches, raised up pastors, opened Christian schools so that the children are receiving the gospel even in the schools. That was the start, and that was the first 15 or so years. And then because of the burden on, on, on my soul for the poor conditions of the country and the people, the children, we would go over and find malnutrition children everywhere we went. Um, by malnutrition, I mean the, the red-rooted hair, the big extended bellies, uh, the worms that they were full of. Um, and and uh, you could put your fingers, my fingers, around their thigh because it was just bone and skin. Um, that type of a malnutrition, really disastrous. And that was because they were only eating maybe one cup of rice a day, and that was their full diet. So we begged God to help us to to do some social, more social work to try and come through and, and, and take care of some of these people. Many of them were churched, and we're Christian brothers and sisters now. So and God came through. It was a it was a miracle. We had no no way to figure this out, no way to solve the problem. Uh, but what He did is one of the little private schools, Christian schools that we had, uh, needed food. So we got we prayed, and out of the blue, I get a phone call from an organization that has some free food, and that's what they do. It's called Feed My Starving Children out of Minneapolis, and they said, Can, you know, we've heard about you. Can we give you some food? And they did. And we started feeding every day. We cooked a meal, a nice big meal with fully nutritious, all the vitamins and enrichment and all that that we had for those 40 or 50 kids. The school immediately grew to 100 to 120 kids because once you put a meal in there, everybody wants to go to that school. That's right, so especially that. if you're not eating, you know. That's correct. And so what, that just grew like crazy. And Feed My Starving Children stayed behind us. A food for the poor out of Fort Lauderdale came and heard about us, and they started helping shipping the product over to Haiti. And the next thing I know, as time goes on over the last 12 years, we went from the 40 children in that first school to 50 schools now with 6,400 children, and we're feeding them a meal every day, and I have no clue how we ever gained all that money and all those resources and all those people that we need. We have 40 or 50 employees over there. We have trucks. Um, not We didn't do major fundraisers. It just God seemed to open doors everywhere we turned to provide for us to do this work. So I know that this is not my work. This is God's work. He's doing this. He's having, I happen to be blessed enough to be used by him to do the work, and it brings me great joy. And that's just one of the things we do. There are many, many other things that God has opened the doors for us to do. Yeah, I have a, I have a personal question about that. Um, how's, how's, the goat, how's the goat farm coming along? Ah, goat farm. I know you like that. We, uh, <laughs> I know, and you know, because we're businessmen and we think ahead and we think about what's going to happen in the future, that you can't keep feeding kids forever and ever and ever, and it keeps growing. Um, so we need to figure out a way to provide jobs in an, in, a, in an area where there is no economy. Uh, so, you, so there's, for instance, if you grow goats, goats, goats can, can grow, can be raised in that area. But if you raise them, where do you sell them? There's no money. Nobody has any money to buy them. So, you know, you can eat them, but that's not a very wise thing financially to do. Now you still have no money for your kids to go to school and buy clothes or whatever. So we started a goat farm. We're starting a goat farm. We're starting a chicken farm. We're starting a fishing industry. We've uh, they have we developed, found, and developed um, sea salt mines along the ocean. You take the ocean water and you take the water away from it. You get sea salt, and that's a good market. And that area is 
the best in Haiti for that type of uh, industry. So we've added that in there. So we're adding industry in every year now. This is our major function to try and get the poor family fathers to be able to earn enough money to feed the children, put them in school, buy them clothes. That's uh, that's the story of, of where we're headed over the next 10 years, and God seems to be opening doors for that. Yeah, t- you you had a, a need for a boat to ship these goats down to Port-au-Prince, right? Correct, because you, you, you're you driving on um, dirt, actually what used to be donkey paths, and that's what you're basically driving on uh, for a good portion of the way when you get into the Northwest. So it, it destroys trucks. Uh, so we decided to design a barge, basic barge, that could drive up to, there's no ports, there's no docks, so you have to drive right up to the beach. Uh, and this, we we put we thought of the landing craft that they used it uh, uh, in, in, in the war, and so we took a pontoon boat and made it strong and big, 45 feet, and put a landing ramp on the front that comes down and lands on the beach, so we can, it doesn't draw much water, we can drive close, drop it on the beach so we can move and put a vehicle on it, or lots of people, or lots of goods, and we can move the product via the ocean, which is we're surrounded by in Haiti, by the ocean to the market. And so we can take the product to the market and take any goods we need to develop the 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 the, uh, the goats or the chickens or the chicken feed or all that kind of stuff to the Northwest uh, much easier. And that's uh, that's, that's in great. process. The boat is ready to sail. That's that's great. Um, so, uh, what's next on your on your prayer list? Well, the next thing to happen is there's two things that are hot on the list. One is the economic situation to solve this economic situation over there to get them jobs. Um, the uh, the other is their housing is pathetic. Uh, many are still living in in thatch on dirt. Uh, just to you know, just put some sticks together, weave some sticks between them, and put a thatch uh, palm frond roof over top of it. And we're trying to build small cement floor cement, uh, two room, two small small rooms, you know, maybe 300 square feet of house for them to live with their, you know, husband, wife, and six or eight kids, and uh, and and give them some, and find them some water and some and put in septic, put in uh, outhouses and septic systems and those kind of things. And the uh, the other is there's no medical care, and that's always been a burden on us. We have tried three or four times to provide some kind of medical care. Uh, for instance, if in the area that we are in, if you, somebody does get sick and they need to go to the hospital, the hospital is a three-hour truck ride away, an hour and a half on the back of a motorcycle. And that's the closest hospital to our area. There's, other than that, there are some tiny, tiny clinics that are very insufficient. Uh, so mm-hmm. there's there's 250,000 people there that don't have any medical care. So that is in our, matter of fact, it's hot on our list to try and open up a medical facility. We have the land. We have we have the infrastructure on the land. All we need now is for someone to come alongside us and provide. So we've asked God to provide a way for us to build a small little clinic that will build into a hospital and have medical care for that area. That that is absolutely incredible. Well, Fred, thank you so much for everything you're, you've said so far. What are some of the positive things that you've seen over there? What what, what how has that changed lives? How has it affected those those um, the Haitians in that? poverty stick area that I've been to too, by the way, and uh, 
it ain't pretty. But uh, tell us any kind of a growth pattern that you see. There's a number of things that God has done. Uh, one of the things that they did not have over there, if you if you think about this, if you have your father and you got three three or four kids and a, and a wife and you have no job and your your average income for that area is about forty dollars per month. That's four hundred eighty dollars per year. So you, that's all you got as a resource, and you're working hard all day every day to do that. Okay, so what you end up with, and then everything goes bad. Your kids get sick. You can't put them in school because you can't pay. You can't buy them the, the books they need. You can't buy them uniforms for school. You can't you can't do anything. So you com- completely lose hope, and, and and some many lose hope to the point where they just sort of sit under a tree and play dominoes. It's a it's a it's a, it's a loss of hope. And and what God has done is He has brought hope into the area through through Living Water and many other ministries, not just Living Water. He's bringing other ministries in there also. But He brings hope to these people by providing. Some somebody that loves them, loves them unconditionally, provides food for their children, gives them. We we provide clothes galore. We can get clothes so reasonable, and so everybody that's, that that we're involved with in our thirty or forty schools that we work with, are, all the children are fed. There is no malnutrition, none. We do great surveys on this. We have a we have a man that goes around to every school once or twice a month and checks all the schools out, checks the kids out, makes sure we're not losing any food. And, and he's just amazed at how at the health of the children now compared to years ago. So that brings hope to them. And then you give them clothes, that brings hope to them. And then you, you plant a church and you give them a place where they can worship God and, and find that there's someone like God that takes care of them and cares for them. And, and so therefore they put their hope in God, which gives them more hope in life. And then you find little jobs for them to do. You find places like, like salt mines. We put in the very, very first salt mine into the play, uh, area called Tea Parody. And to do the salt mine is about the size of 10 swimming pools. And it's about the same depth, about six feet deep. And it's dug by hand. Takes takes about 10 or 15 guys, about three to six months to dig it all out. They do it all by hand and dig it all out. And then what they do is they let the salt water come in, the the environment holds that water because it's all this thick mud that just holds water and doesn't leak. The water evaporates, and you've got tons and tons and tons of salt left that they can sell. So we put one in, showed them how to do it because they didn't believe it would work, and it worked so well. We had so much salt that now there are like 30 salt mines in that same uh, area that, that individuals that were broke before had no hope now have a little salt mine. They can sell a bag of salt for $8. They get 200 bags, 300 bags of salt on every harvest. So there's another thing we do. And if somebody's sick, they died before. Well, now we're there. They come to us, and somehow we always find the resources to put them on the back of a motorcycle, put them in the back of the truck, send them to the doctor. We send a person along with them because when you go to the hospital in Haiti, you don't get free food and free care. You have to have a person there to feed you, um, but you do get free. You do get medical attention, and we pay for some of that. So they have a, they have hope there from the medical side. So they're getting spiritual hope. They're getting medical hope. They're getting food hope. They're getting clothing hope, and and their lives are 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 have been brought to a place the education of the kids look at all the kids we have in school we have 6400 kids just in our set of schools that we work with and they're all getting an education and, and the new thing we're doing that we just just brought in is we brought in high speed internet very first high speed internet we're going to use that as an instrument to teach those kids more about 
uh, the air, the life and life in the world, so that they can expand their 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 horizon and have find some jobs with some education. It won't be all, but it'll be those who are motivated. We'll find a way to, to get educated over the internet and to find jobs. So that's the kind of thing that uh, we're really just giving people that were hopeless. We're giving them hope, and God has opened those doors and provided for them in ways that are miraculous. That's, that's incredible, Fred. I know uh, I'm, I get to the business point of it uh, probably too quickly, but I know that you, I've known you for, uh, gosh, it's it's been a long time, 35 years or so, maybe maybe a little less than that. And I know you're not a real avid fundraiser. You would never make a good politician. So what I want to do, and as far as helping you is, first of all, we're going to get this podcast out to my listeners and my clients, and they'll be able to hear the work that you're doing. You told me that some of your best uh, campaigns for fundraising, you do it on Facebook. Is that right? We do it. We get, we reach a lot of people on Facebook, uh, and that, uh, because people will connect and read, uh, and we will occasionally get someone hooked up where they say, how can I help? And, uh, and they'll send us some money. Um, the, the, the money seems to come through connections that God sets up for us. Um, a lot of it comes also from businessmen who, who see that they can use their money in a way that some of the money they've made, uh, it's, of course, tax deductible, and they can use it to, to greater benefit. Well, what, what uh, I think, Eric, you want to jump in here and tell Fred what Top Advisor Marketing and I do with guests like Fred and the package that they he's going to receive? Yes, absolutely. So, Fred, uh, thank you so much for your story. I, I would like to actually ask one other question before uh, before we get too far. Um, I know that the world is going through, uh, the, the globe is going through a, a situation right now with COVID-19. I wanted to ask you specifically, how does how are the people feeling down there? I mean, we know that spirituality is such an essential core part of, obviously, what you do. And also now that all those churches have been planted, obviously, it's it seems to be a very large part of the community as well. What is the feeling down there when it comes to COVID nineteen? Is there fear? Are there are they turning more toward Christ, and are they are they seeking out wisdom and counsel? Um, is there panic? What, what's the feeling down there? It's interesting. We have a group. We probably have the only, one of the only American groups that are in Haiti right now because Haiti is at a level four threat, and five is the highest you can get. Mm. And uh, but we had a group of people that insisted on going. They said that God had called them, and they wanted to go, and they just finished up today in uh, in uh, the northwest of Haiti, and in talking to them, basically, because I asked them about that, and basically they said nobody even cares or much about it, and there's no conversation about it, and they're not even thinking about it. So okay. I'm sorry that I mean, there is no story there, because the people no. in the northwest are eking out a, a living, and they're not, they, well, they don't have TV. That's probably another reason yeah. so yeah. there is no issue and as far as we know there is no coronavirus in haiti at this point uh, yeah. there's enough yeah. other problems uh, that are probably just as disastrous or much more disastrous than that um yeah there, there, it's not an issue in haiti right at the moment well that that's exactly what i was asking for because um i think that more of us could learn that lesson we need to keep down or keep our head down uh and work, do the work that we're supposed to be doing, 
and take care of our families the way we're supposed to be taking care of our families and stop listening to so much of the news because the media is there. And Doug and I've talked about this before. The media is there to sell commercial time and they want people to watch. So they're going to put some of the most outrageous things on to get people's attention. So they'll watch so that their sponsors can, you know, get their money's worth. So that, you know, I think it's a good thing that they're shielded a bit, even though life for them isn't easy and it's difficult and they're, they're just working to survive at this point. Um, I think that's more of a peaceful existence than most people right now in the United States. So I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. And yes, as Doug alluded to, what we do is we're going to have a, a, a four-page document basically for you that will help you to use this podcast as an opportunity to, to send your voice out to all of the people that you connect with on Facebook. If you're on LinkedIn or any other social platform, your email database, we'd love for you to be able to send this out to get your voice out there. Um, I will be talking to Doug after, after the show. I hope every listener, actually, I'm just going to say it. I want every listener to prayerfully consider um, helping to support your ministry because of the things that you do. I'm excited. I love the fact that you're doing this. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I do want to support you, and I'm, I'm hoping that every listener out there will prayerfully consider supporting your ministry as well. How do I make a donation today to, to your organization? Uh, we have a website, and on that website, it's livingwaterhaiti.org livingwaterhaiti.org, and uh, okay. from there, the website will direct you to these donate buttons for PayPal and uh, in other ways, checks. So that would be the best okay. way. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Fred, for your time. Doug, thank you so much for bringing Fred on. I, I love this podcast. What an amazing story, and what a, what a great, I'm just, what I would call it is a reset button. For me personally, when I think about all the things that I'm dealing with right now, it's not nearly what these people have been dealing with for their entire lifetime. And so my pity party is over. <laughs> I've got a, this is a, a good slap in the face to say, you know what? You've got it pretty good. So thank you so much for this opportunity to hear Fred and his story. Well, Fred, uh, our time's up. Unfortunately, it goes really fast, but I just want to thank you. Uh, you know, uh, Gene and me and, and we, we, you know, help support your ministry. Uh, we, we've both have been over there. We've seen what it's like. I lived in a third world country for a year. Uh, we have it so good here that when you hear stories like you just shared, it says, uh, step back, Doug, and take a look and be thankful for where we are. So Fred, again, thank you so much. Uh, and I'll give you the last word. Uh, thank you, Doug. Thank you for the opportunity. I, I just want to make sure that you that they, people understand that this is a this is a ministry that's called by God. Um, and for instance, everyone in the board, everyone who goes to Haiti, everyone that works through Living Water, no one in the United States receives a penny. And everybody, if they go over, they pay their own way. So if they do donate any money to help us do the work that God's got us doing, we will use it very carefully, very frugally, and and a hundred percent of it will go to help the people. So. We, and thank you for thank you for um, allowing me to tell you what God's doing through through this little life in this little place in Northwest Haiti. Fantastic! Thank you so much again, and listeners, thank you for listening to the Liberated Investor Advantage podcast with Doug Alden. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Doug comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This also makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And please share this one with your friends and family. Help them find that reset button to realize, you know what, the stuff we're going through here in the United States isn't even close to what people all around the world are facing. Um, this isn't a guilt trip. This is just, hey, this is sometimes we just need that reminder. So share this podcast with them. 
Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at the Liberated Investor Advantage, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Liberated Investor Advantage podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available.